Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour live on Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, the first day of Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, Lamed Sivan. We are here live in the studio. Let's first give you the numbers, and then we'll move on right to our show. We have a little special today, or um, we have we get to the halakha. The numbers to the station are 718-683-5858. That number is to call in and to be on air. If you're calling in between 2 to 3 p.m., you'll be on air live. However, if you'd like to ask any questions, as we recommend, you call after the show is over at 3 o'clock, and you'll need a little bit of patience as the calls come in very quickly and uh, there's only one person answering them. So if it rings a little bit, just please hold on. The number again is 718-683-5858. The text, to call, text in your question, it's always the best, 347-927-8398. Now, to listen to this class, you can listen to it live a number of ways. Number one is... Go to jrootradio.com. We have live streaming. You'll watch on the website. You can even see a video of what's going on. You can listen on the phone app, Jroot Radio Pro. And you can listen on the phone in one of the following two numbers. If you want, you can call even both two lines in Gishmaki F Surround Sound. The numbers are 712-432-4217 or 718-506-9099. With that, we move on to our class. We are in the middle of Elchot of Mukseh. However, like we mentioned, it is Rosh Chodesh Tammuz today and tomorrow. So, there, and we have very interesting parashiyot and Sefer Ben Bidbar. So, there's a few ideas that we would like to incorporate into our class today. Not really connected to Mukseh, but definitely connected to the times that we're in or we're about to come across. We're Coming into the month of Tammuz, and in a few weeks, we will be, unless Mashiach comes soon, and it should happen very quickly, we will be facing the, or we're coming up across to the three weeks, the Ben Hametzarim between Shabbat Sabbath Tammuz and Tisha B'Av. So the times are interesting, special times. We'll get to the halachot of the three weeks in the right time. But for Rosh Hodesh Tammuz, I would like to share with you two ideas. From last week and this week's parasha coming up, they're both connected to this, uh, to the month of Tammuz. Let's see if you can guess it, unless you heard me on Shabbat, but let's see if you can guess it, where in last week's parasha, parasha Shelah, the story of the Miraglin, do we find the mention of what went on this week or what's going on this week? I'm not going to give, I'm not, it's not a guessing game, nobody's calling in, but let me jump to the answer. The answer is today and yesterday. We find that the Miraglim went on a mission for 40 days. They went to, Torah says it clearly, 40 days they were sent to spy out the Eretz Yisrael, to spy out the land. When did they come back? The Rabbi Salas HaKarim tells in the Gemara that they came back on the night of the Shabi'ab. As we know that night, due to the Miraglims, due to the spies' account, or Lashon Hara, as Hazal tells us, changed Jewish history forever. The Jewish people cried and mourned. And as a result, what happened? Hashem says, You cried for no reason. By your life, you'll see, I will set for you a cry for all generations to come. And all tragedies of Jewish history were centered around Tasha B'Av. In fact, the fact that we don't have Beit HaMikdash is what opens up the room for all tragedies to happen, people getting sick and young people dying and problems in Parnassah and problems in Shidduchim and 
the list goes on and on and on. You feel like every berachav kiyat like, whoa, what's going on? It's so heavy. It feels so heavy on a personal level and on a national level. So where'd that come from? And the answer is because we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, which was destroyed on Tisha B'Av, which was the result of the same day when the Meraglim came back. 40 days in one. So that means one more they sent out. They were sent out in Chavtet Sivan, which is exactly yesterday. Erev Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, that means that the main, they were there for 40 days. The whole month of Tammuz, they were in Eretz Yisrael. The main mission of the Miraglim, of the spies, was in this month of Tammuz. So we have to understand what is exactly, what was their mission exactly, and what is it, and where did they go wrong that we could try to fix. Before we get to that, you should just know a little bit of a background. And this is a very important background in general. It's very interesting. It's a little Kabbalistic, but we, remember, this is a Benish High class, right? And Benish High brings Kabbalah. Although we promise we won't go into Kabbalah, this is a nice Kabbalah. This is a little bit watered down Kabbalah that we could understand and definitely bring it to a practical level. That's our mission here, to bring the Halakhot uh, to be applicable and practical. So therefore, we're going to share this idea with you. You have to know that... There are things, the world was not just created randomly, obviously. Everything was created with a mission. And every month, every single month and every period of time brings with it special spiritual forces and energies that affect the person. And a person has to know how to use them in the right way. I'll give you an example in the physical world. As Rabbi Salas, the Maharal points out that sometimes you look at the, what happens in the physical world and you gain a lot of insight of what's going on in the spiritual world. In the physical world, let's give you a very, very good example. There's something called the raining season. That's when the rain falls down and that's what waters the, you know, the plants that you have. So let's say you have a field or you have a garden and you want your plants to be watered. You better make sure that there's no umbrellas or any roofs covering your land. If by accident you went on vacation, an extended vacation, and you forgot about your plants and you had them covered by an umbrella, you can't come back in the summer and cry and say, oh, okay, okay, let me take off the umbrella and let me, let, let Hashem let it rain again. You missed it. There were times when it rains and that's a season and that's when it's supposed to get wet and that's what's when your plants are supposed to drink their water. And if you miss it, you miss it. There are forces. You have to know how to use them. If you decide to collect the rainwater because you want to make a pool, okay, so use it for a pool instead of using it for your plants to grow. That's what happens in the physical world. There are times when you have to take advantage of the times, use whatever powers come at that time to help you in whatever way you want to help you. You could use it or abuse it. This is the same thing that happens on the spiritual level. Every times of the year, there are spiritual energies which we can use or abuse. The simple thing is Shabbat. As we're learning Hachot Shabbat, we see the holiness of Shabbat, the Kedushah of Shabbat. Hazal tell us, Hachamim tell us, that what a person learns on Shabbat is equal to, Ben Yishai himself says, 10,000, 1,000 times what you learn during the week. It's completely multiplied. So what you learn Torah on Shabbat, it's as if you learned 1,000 days. If you learn a full day of Shabbat, it's like you learned 1,000 days of during the weekday. So you see there are powers. We just have to know how to use it. If you sleep on Shabbat, we all know, ah, the sleep on Shabbat is so gishmak. It's unbelievable. It's great. It really makes up for the whole week. Okay, you want to use it for sleep or you want it for eating or you want to use it for Torah. You decide. There are powers on that day and you can decide how to use the spiritual powers, the spiritual forces of that day. Each month is the same. Each month has a special spiritual energy and force and you have to know what that energy is and to know 
how to use it. Or if you don't want to use it, it'll use you, meaning to say it'll take over you and will dominate you, will pull you towards becoming more physical. So if you know what the powers are, you know how to manipulate it in your way to make you more spiritual, you're already ahead of the game. What affects the month? What are the powers in the month? As you know, there are a few things. We have a book called Sefer Yetzirah. It's been attributed to Abraham Abinu, Yaakov Abinu, Adam Harishon, different opinions, but most accepted opinion is that it's written by Abraham Abinu. This is a book that you can get anywhere. Very, very hard and deep to, to, uh, book and very difficult to understand. Definitely Kabbalistic and above. This is uh, from Abraham Abinu. But over there it tells us, it sheds a little bit of light as the Hasidic Shesfarim bring down that they do have, they, they do bring a lot of the, uh, th- that book brings a lot of fundamentals that we should know about. Over there it talks about he, things of each month and tells you each month has been created with a specific letter, there's a special power, and that power is represented by a certain part of the body. All these things are different clues for us to understand what's going on in the spiritual world on that month. And when we know it, we know how to use it. So the month is affected spiritually by the special energy, as the Sefer Yitzhah tells us, the letter that it was created in, and the body part that it's represented. That's what it says in Sefer Yitzhah. Rab Tzadok Cohen points out, and a lot of Kabbalistic Sfarim also point out, that there's another thing that affects the time, and that is, as the Gemara points out in Ta'anit, the reason we have so many tragedies on Tisha B'Av because of the history that took place on that day. So being that Tisha B'Av, the first time the Jewish people cried, eventually they cried again and again because when history was made on that day, it had an effect for later on. Likewise, on 15th of Nisan, we celebrate Pesach because the Jewish people in history, when they came out, they set into this Spiritual world that day, a, a spiritual uh, light or spiritual energy that day that keeps on coming back year after year. In fact, there's a halakha if a person was had a miracle done to him, every time he comes to that place, after a full year, he'll make the same blessing. Sometimes if it's a great miracle that was done for a person, he makes like a mini purim for himself every single year. year. It's like a holiday for himself every single year. Why? Because it's the same spiritual energy that he created for himself that comes back year after year. So another thing that affects the times are the historical events that took place at the time. And finally, we find that the tour brings in Siman Tafyud Zain, in the name of his brother, that what affects the time or the affects the month is which tribe does it correspond to. The tour says, just like we know there are three holidays, Pesach, Shabbat, and, ya- and Sukkot, and they correspond to Abraham Abinu, Yitzhak Abinu, and Yaakov Abinu. Likewise, there are 12 months of the year corresponding to the 12 tribes. And when we have a leap year, we could count the tribes with the extra tribe, whether it's the son of Yosef, Menashe Ephraim, two children of Yosef, or together with Shebet Levi. In any case, we count the tribes correspond, the Shebatim, each one corresponds to another month. What's the specific order? There's Mahalok already amongst the Kabbalists, but for sure, each month has a power from the Shebatim. That is a basic introduction to all, all months of the year. They're affected, 
by the energies of that month, as it says in Sefer Yetzirah, the letter was created with, the body part it's, that's represented by that month, the historical events, and finally, which tribe does it correspond to? Now we move on to see, let's explore, let's see what happens. Well, let's see what Sefer Yetzirah says. Sefer Yetzirah says, for the month of Tammuz, Sefer Yetzirah says, Himlich ot het ve'ayin be Hashem made this month, the way it was created, He gave it the power of the letter Het, through the Iyah, through seeing, and to the right eye in the goof. So it's already, you see, something has to do with sight. In fact, if you look in the order that the Arizal says, which month corresponds to which Shebet, which tribe, the Arizal says that the tribes are the order of the tribes corresponding to the months, beginning from the Nisan, Iyar, Sivan, Tammuz, Av, Elul, and so on. They correspond to the order that the tribes brought the Korbanot by when, the, when the inauguration of the Mishkan took place on Rosh Hodesh Nisan. The first day was Shebeda. Next day was Shebet Yisachar. Third day was Zebulun. Fourth day was the tribe of Reuben. So Reuben corresponds also to the month of Tammuz. Historical, historically, we just mentioned, Moshe Rabbeinu sends out the spies to look at Eretz Yisrael. It's interesting, if you look in the Pasha, Hashem points out that when Moshe commands the spies, what does he tell them? He says, mahi. I want you to look at the land and tell me what it's, what's there. said, all it says is, I want you to see the land. It doesn't say anything about coming back and reporting. It just says, I want you to see the land. Very interesting. What does it mean? To, why, why, why is he only pointing out to see the land? Not anything else. Not reporting to us. Not taking. It does mention taking a little bit of fruits. But it seems to me the emphasis was to see what's going on in the land. All of this, the common, the common denominator between all these things is that this month is affected by sight. The power of this month is to see things. How to see things. Sfarim bring down that in that original mission of the spies, when they were sent to the land of Israel, they were sent to look at the land because Benesai was skeptical. Really, spies were not supposed to be sent but because Benesai really wanted it. So Hashem said, okay. You want to go that path? Fine, we'll send the spies. So Moshe says, okay, let's try to fix it as much as we can. Look at the land and I want you to look at it in a positive way. Look at it in a favorable way. See the good things of the land. And by you, the leaders of each tribe, seeing the good things of the land, you'll be able to affect the Jewish people that they'll see it in a positive way. For we all know, you can look at something, many people can look at the same thing and everybody will have a different report. Somebody just told me a study. I'm very skeptical about studies. So is this person who told me the study, but the idea is all true. We all will agree to the idea that they once made a study where they took 20 people and they showed them a video clip of somebody beating up another person. 20 different people reported 20 different stories. Although they all reported that person A beat up person B, but the way they said it, the way they expressed it, it seems like you're hearing, it seems like they watched 20 different clips, but we all know that's how people are. You may see something and you'll be shocked to see that somebody else. Is it dressed blue or is it gold? You know, that's uh, we all had fun with that recently. So we all see things in our own way. 
Now we're not talking about physical seeing. The spiritual power is seeing, meaning to say how you look at things. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted the Jewish people to see, or the spies, excuse me, to see the land in a positive way. And their main mission, 30 days out of the 40 days, was in the month of Tammuz, to see the land. Perhaps the last 10 days are already making their way back to the Jewish camp. In any case, Bnei said, we know, unfortunately, the spies came back and they saw things in a negative way. Hazal tell us that they went and they saw many, many levayot, funerals. Why did Hashem do that? Because He wanted the people to be distracted, that they shouldn't realize that there are spies amongst the land. You see a new guy, you say, hey, what's going on? Do you have a place for Shabbos? So they can say, hey, you have a place for Sunday. They can say, no, where are you from? Oh, you're spies. Great. Let me put you in jail. You know, it's not going to work that way. So Hashem distracted them with funerals. How did the spies see it? Unfortunately, 10 of the 12 spies. It seems to be that's a land that people die. It, it kills the people. Look how many funerals are going on. This is right when we got there. There's always funerals. It's how you look at things. And this is a lesson of the month of Tammuz. We're about to enter a month for the men they know. This is a month where you're tested at what you look at. Physically, not otherwise spiritually now. This is a time when it's hot and people dress down a little bit. And it's a Yetzirah everywhere. And it's a Yetzirah, believe it or not, for the ladies also the way they dress. But we have to be careful of what we look at. There's a spiritual force that's pulling a person to look in this month. If you use it properly to avoid looking at the wrong things, to look at the Torah, to look at the right places, to keep your mind occupied so you have the urge to look at the wrong things, you'll be able to use it properly. You'll be able to come out with Kedushah. You'll be able to save your eyes. We have to be very careful with our eyes. We have to read books about Musar for the men about our eyes in this month. But more so... In this month, we have to work on how we see things, how we interpret things. When we see things, do we see them and do we interpret them properly or not properly? And it's like the famous story of the Gemara where I think it was Rava who saw a dead carcass, a dead animal with white teeth. The student smelled it and he said it smells and the rabbi, rabbi told him, but it has white teeth. It's not that the rabbi was ignorant that didn't have smell. Of course, he smelled it as well. He's trying to teach his students is that there's something else to see here. I probably do. I guarantee Rabbi would not say beracha over there. There was a dead animal. So I supposed to say berachot over there. I'm sure the students of Rab were not people who are yo-yos. They were big tamidim. These were amoraim. Elamai. But Rab was trying to show them that in everything you have to see everything. You have to see the best of everything. I'm not telling you to say beracha over here. We have to move away. But you have to see the good in everything. And that's really something to work on in this month. Every situation that we're confronted with, whether it be a challenge or even good, we could see clearly the good. Try to avoid looking in the bad. But even things that don't look good, you know, it's a month of a lot of uh, expenses in this month. Kids go to camp and you have the regular expenses. Most people, you know, pay the tuition bill as well in the summer. They have summer vacations, summer clothing, summer food, summer this, summer that. Everything costs a lot of money. Somehow or another, I can't tell you the answer for me, for you. You have to see yourself the good in everything. See how much you're spending on your children. See how much you're investing in your children. See how much, show them how much you love them. I don't know. Let the psychologist deal with that. Let the therapist tell you exactly. But your job is to see the good in everything that Hashem is throwing at us in this month. And everything that we confront, even if it looks bad, no, look for the good. That's our avodah in this month. Re'iyah, to see 
the positive of this month. Because of that, you find that the same thing in this week's parasha, Korah, Hazal tell us that Rashi points it out, that the mistake of Korah was, I know he saw things in the wrong way. He saw that he went into a big mahlogi, he went head to head against Moshe and Aharon, and it was do or die. That's, that's how it was. It was a showdown. One person is going to live, and Korah was very, very wise. Hakamim tell us. Why did he go into this battle? Doesn't know one person is going to die. I mean, one person is going to live, everybody's going to die. How are you risking your life? Hazal tell us, Hen, I know he saw things in the wrong way. He saw Shemuel coming out of him. He misunderstood it. So it's not just seeing, it's how you see. What you're seeing and what does it mean? What does Hashem want you to see? That's very important. And that's why last week's parasha concludes after the whole story of the spies. Torah tells us to put a seat on the corner of our clothing. Train your eyes of how to look. Train your mind how to think when you see things. Hakamim tell us when you, the Torah commands you have the blue string on your tzitzit. So this way, when you see the color blue, you think of the blood that it came from, from the fish or this creature that's in the water. From that creature which is in the water, you're supposed to be reminded of the ocean. From the ocean, you're supposed to think, oh, the ocean is blue because really water is clear, but it has a reflection. It has a reflection of the sky. The sky is a reflect is the place where the Kisei Kabot is. How in the world are you supposed to, to think of all that when you see Tzitzit? And that's his Achimim of training us how to see things, not what to see. Of course, you can see the blue string, but what your mind's supposed to think, think towards spirituality, think of what Hashem wants you to see from everything. Look at the world through the eyes of what Hashem wants you to, from the eyeglasses that Hashem wants you to see. There was another lesson that I wanted to speak about, but I see already, right? I got carried away with the first idea, so we're going to jump right into the halachot of Mukseh. We are learning the halachot of Mukseh from the Benish High in Parashat Miketz in the second year. We had Because of the time, we had to interrupt the halachot of Kli Shemelachtol Heter. And we'll just do a quick review and jump right back into Kli Shemelachtol Heter before we move on to Benish Hai. Kli Shemelachtol Heter is an item. It's a utensil or an item, whatever it may be, that it has a purpose where its main purpose is for something that could be done on Shabbat. Like we said beforehand, cups, plates, forks, jackets, clothing, shoes, anything, again, that it's permitted to be used on Shabbat. The halakha is, you may move it for whatever reason it may be, even if it's to protect the item itself. But it has to be that there's a tzorich, has to be that there's a need of why you need to move the keli, the utensil. What is called the tzorich, we mentioned mahlokit last week, and there's a mahlokit between the benish high. And Aruch HaShulchan, who almost lived in the same time, different parts of the world, according to the Benish Hai, Letzorich means I care where the location of the item is. I care that this cup should be in front of me as opposed to being two feet away from me. That's what Letzorich means. If I don't care where the location is, and I'm just playing with the fork next to me, according to Benish Hai, that's not called Letzorich, because for me it makes no difference where the location of the fork is. So that, according to the Benish Hai, is called Narat Sorech, and to play with your fork on Shabbat, according to the Benish Hai, is Asur. However, Aruch HaShulchan holds 
Now that's called a sorech. Sorech doesn't have to be where the item is. Sorech could even be for you. If you feel a sorech, if you're one of those nervous people and you, you have to play with things, you can't sit straight and your hands got to be busy, so then that's fine. You could play with the fork, you could play with the things. That's called a sorech for you, just doing it to pass time. That's the opinion of the Aruch Shulhan, and Hakam Abadiyah goes with it. In general, in the Chot of Mukseh, being that it's the Rabbanan, so really, Safek the Rabbanan Likula, unless we point out otherwise. So when we say a Mahloket, somebody complained last week, you know, you're bringing so many opinions, uh, tell us what to go with. In general, it's a Benish High class. I try to always come out with the Benish High, and definitely that's recommended. When I point out the Benish High, I'm not pointing out all the other Ahronim, I'm pointing out the Benish High to, sh- to say that. That's what the Benish High holds, and try to hold like the Benish High. When I do point out Acham Avadian, other post scheme, is to show you listen, there's somebody who's lenient. If you could be Mahmir, even Acham Avadian will tell you it's fine. He's not going to argue that you want to be Mahmir to cover all the other opinions. It's fantastic. So it's preferable to be Mahmir like the Benish High to do like the strict opinion, as the Benish High says. But if a person feels a real need, that Shabbat, his hands are very edgy. You know, sometimes it depends what you eat. You walk up on the wrong side of the bed, whatever it may be. And you need to play around or you're really, really like, you know, nervous and you're trying to control your anger and you need to play with that fork. So then, okay, there is opinion. There are opinions on many other post scheme. So therefore, you have what to rely on. You could definitely be lenient with those opinions, especially in the Chotum Mukseh which are in general referred to as derabanan, so safek derabanan lekula. Now, we want to point out a few things that are in a person's house, and what is their status? The status, for sure, they are kelim. We want to know, is it kelisim nachtol leheter? Or maybe because of their circumstances, it will change it to kelisim nachtol isur, lemashal, pesah dishes. Pesah dishes are dishes that a person will only use for pesah. Would that make it like because is something that you're careful to only use it for that purpose only. You won't use your Pesach dishes during the year. And if one of your kids touches your Pesach dishes, you're not going to you're going to go crazy. What are you doing? Chametz. All he did was use it for water. But it doesn't make a difference. It's, it's, it's in the year where you could have Chametz and nobody's allowed to go there. The time of Briah, you have doors and gates and, and, and locks that make sure nobody gets to the Pesach dishes. So can I move them on Shabbat? And the answer is, yes, there's still Kalishim Lachto Leheter. It's not even Kalishim Lachto Isur. At the end of the day, there are dishes. I might be careful not to use it in the time other than Pesach, but they can be used for anything. I don't care what I use it for on Pesach. But just because it's not Pesach doesn't take it now. Make We'll discuss later in depth what the uh, the, the the definition of But Pesach dishes, since they are made primarily to do something that's mutar to serve food on it, so therefore it's klis If it was taken out on Shabbat, then you definitely have permission and allowed and are allowed to return it to its place on Shabbat, even though it's for the sake of the item that shouldn't get ruined. Like any The next question is what about medicines? Medicines, you know, Tylenol, aspirin, Advil, headaches. We know that one, okay, so uh, to go into medicines is a big subject. Parashat Tetzavin and Ben talks about medicines and that's when we'll go into it. But let's say, you know, right now, with a simple understanding, a person 
cannot take medicine on Shabbat unless it's prescribed, unless certain circumstances, whatever. But in general, a person has to avoid taking medicines on Shabbat. So can I move medicine on Shabbat? Why would I want to move medicine on Shabbat? I'll tell you why. Because I decided to now, for whatever reason, I want to put up the medicine in a certain closet. I don't like the way it looks over here in this shelf. I want it to be on a higher shelf. I don't need its place. I'm not putting something else in its place. Otherwise, I'll be called the Mekomo. And let's say it's Klish Bechtole Isur. So anyway, it's Mutar. But we're talking about that. I just want to stop, move it. I want to move it right now away from me. I don't need the place. Can I move medicines on Shabbat? Mean to say, Because at the end of the day, there is a possibility that a person could take medicine on Shabbat. How so? If a person qualifies to be a Hole Sheenbo Sakana, he's allowed to take medicine on Shabbat or there's certain circumstances that if the headache is so severe, if the stomach ache or the body ache is so severe that it, you have to be in bed for it, so then medicine is mutar for you. So would that probability or possibility of taking medicine on Shabbat qualify the medicine to be or do we say since it's made to heal, which is forbidden on Shabbat, it becomes So whatever answer you answered, Rabotai, you were right because it's a mahlokit. Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Arbach holds that medicines are kli they're made to heal. Healing is a surah on Shabbat for most people. Unless you have certain circumstances. So therefore, he holds, Kli Shabbat so you cannot move it. However, Rabbi Yashiv holds, no, it's a Kli Shabbat because it can be taken by people who do qualify for it. And as Tosafot point out, Rishonim point out, Holesh She'en Bosakana is something very common. Elderly people suddenly qualify, Holesh Bosakana, they can take medicines. So therefore, it's not a problem. Hamabadiyah, also supports this opinion of the Rav Yashiv, and that is halakha. Medicines are kli shemlachto leheter. It's very, very common that people will get, it's very possible even that people do get headaches. Besides the fact there are leniencies also when it comes to Tylenol and Advil in general, even if a person is not halesh and bosakana, our opinions are material anyway. So you have a few sfekot to throw around over here, and that is the psak halakha. Medicines are considered kli shemlachto leheter, to move it even for protecting the medicine, as long as you have some sort of purpose to move the medicine, it's mutar on Shabbat. Let's continue now in the Benish Hai. We're still in Halakha Alif. And here the Benish Hai talks about other items now that are in the category of Kalisha Melachtol but really even more lenient Kalisha Melachtol Keep in mind, Kalisha Melachtol although we're very lenient in it. There are times when we won't allow you to move it. For example, you want to move it just to protect the item. There are items, there are things that Hachimim were not go there on at all. And here the Ben Shai says it. We spoke about it in the introduction, but here we're reading it from the Ben Shai inside. Says the Ben Shai, Food and drinks. And all books that one is allowed to read on Shabbat, mutar letaltelam afilu klal. One is allowed to move them even for no reason whatsoever. Even if a person did not designate them or prepare them from before Shabbat, not by saying, I want to prepare this, or by thinking about it. It's also mutar, meaning, 
I don't have to go to my fridge on Friday and look and say, okay, I want to eat the watermelon. Um, okay, you know, melon, I don't like it, but you know, honeydew, maybe my kids will like it. Okay, I want to eat the, not for me, but I'm preparing the honeydew for my kids. I don't have to do that. If I open up the fridge and I discover a bag of cherries that was hiding behind the leftovers from last week's Shabbos, and they're right there in the um, in the fridge, so that's great. That's mutar. I could take them and eat them. Why? Because when the rabbis decreed the laws of Mokseh, they only decreed it on items, utensils. However, food, drinks, and sefarim, not books, but sefre kodesh, books that one could read on Shabbat as we explained in the laws of what one could read on Shabbat, and I believe the parashat before that, in parashat Vayishlah. So, not Vayishlah, excuse me, it goes, yeah, I think it's Vayishlah. So those things you're allowed to move, those books you're allowed to move on Shabbat, because even for no reason, you decide to read a certain Gemara, a certain book, even an English book, as long as it's Mutatri on Shabbat, like a biography, as we explained, or a translation of a religious book, as long as it's a religious book on the Torah, one could use it on Shabbat without a problem, move it for whatever reason you want, even if there's no reason, you can move it on Shabbat. However, the Ben now goes into a case, I don't want to read it inside, because it's a little bit long, but he says an important thing. When it comes to Klishlachtolehetir, we said, you could only move it if it's leheter, if you, excuse me, if it's letzorech, klis makhto leheter could only be moved letzorech. What does it mean letzorech? Letzorech means I have a need for it. Ben Yishai points out something very important here. Letzorech doesn't have to be now. It's not like borer, as we learn about borer. Borer, you want to separate in a way that's mutar, it has to be for immediate use. Letzorech could be, even if I have a suffix, even if I have a doubt if I'll need it or not. Ben Yishai talks about in a place where a person, you know, back then, didn't have uh, uh, dishes, plasticware for sure was not around, you know, so everybody had their own um, silverware and things. So sometimes a person needs a knife to cut fruits. So you may go to a place and they might not give you a knife or the knife may not be dipped and how are you going to cut your fruit? So in an area where there is a hiruv, Ben Yishai says you're allowed to carry your knife with you. That seems to be some sort of menhag that people used to carry their knives with them on the weekday. But you're allowed to carry your knife with you because maybe you'll need the knife on Shabbat. Even though it's a maybe, it's a possibility. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. I don't know if I'll need it. I'll have bread, but I can eat with my hands. I, I don't 100% need a knife, but it's possible. It says I'm carrying it for that possibility, even though that possibility may, may never come true because I may never actually use it. But since when I took it, I have a need for it. That's all, the possibility, that's also mutar. Which means, if I'm setting up the table on Shabbat, I have guests coming to my house. And I don't know, will they use, do they need three forks and four spoons and, and ten knives? I don't know, you know, but that's part of the style of setting up the table. Maybe they'll need it. Maybe they do know how to eat with all these, you know, somebody once from England showed me how he sets up the table. It's crazy. I said, where do you find room? I, you need a whole dining room table for each person. So, uh, I, you know, I guess people, they, they like to be lonely over there. In any case, so that's how it is. If there is a possibility that a person needs it and you're setting up your Shabbos table, your Shabbat table, because uh, with, with the silverware, that because somebody might use it, it's mutar. It doesn't make a difference how slim the possibility, but there's got to be a real possibility. 
But if there is no possibility whatsoever, like for example, Ben Shai says, this guy who took his knife with him, he went to shul or whatever he went to, and now he used the knife to cut his fruits on by Sauda Shalishit. And now that's it. After Sauda Shalishit, he knows he's not going to need it anymore. He can't pick it up. He can't take it with him. Why? Because you don't need it anymore. You're done using it. Oh, you're scared it's going to get lost or it's going to get stolen? Well, let's see. What's the deen of a knife? The knife we said is a kli. Can I move a knife because I'm scared of something that might happen to the knife? The answer is yes. Even even for the item itself to protect it is mutar. So if I'm moving my knife, if I'm moving things because I don't want them to break, mutar, I don't need to use them per se. I could even move them for protecting the item. But if there's no reason to worry that something may happen to the knife, nobody's going to steal it, it's not going to break, nothing's going to happen to it, I don't have any need for it, that's called no tzorech whatsoever, no need, and then it'll become a sur. So we learn from this Benish Hai, two things, what we just read. Number one is, as we said in the past, food, drinks, and sefarim are not in any category of mukseh, you can move them for whatever reason you want, as long as they're usable, meaning to say food is edible. Non-edible food we'll talk about later on. When it comes to number two that we learned is, litzorech means even if it's a possibility I'm going to need it, that's also called litzorech, and I may move it on Shabbat. Okay, halacha bit. Okay, I'm getting a text over here, although it's off subject, just to answer the person very quickly. Could a person shave on Rosh Hodesh for a tzorech? So it depends what your custom is. Really, there's no problem in halakha whatsoever to shave on Rosh Hodesh. It's a takanat rabbi Yehuda hasid. And he says a person should avoid shaving on Rosh Hodesh. If you are stringent and you follow what rabbi Yehuda hasid says, then you should try to avoid it. If you believe there's a tzorech, certainly you can rely on the halakha. Let's say you have a chasna tonight, a wedding tonight. No problem. That's fine. Okay. The person who texted about the wedding, please call in 718-683-558 at the end of the show and I'll answer you. It's too long to answer by text. Let's get now to the t- next halakha, halakha bit. First, I'll read it from the Benish Hai, translate, and then we'll go into all the practical applications. Hatefilin. Tefilin. What is the status of tefilin? Says the Benish Hai, Asur Litaltilam. You're not allowed to move them for no reason, that is. But if you need their place, or if you want to move them because you don't want them to get dirty, or something is going to happen to them, they might be, you know, sometimes they'll be thrown on the floor, people will step on them. So then, then you're allowed to move tefillin. And if a person has what we call a koracha, which is a, Ashkenazim call a talis bag, where inside of it you have your talit, gadol, and you have also your tefillin inside. And now on Shabbat you want to use the same talit, but you have your tefillin inside. Let's say by taking out the tzitzit, the talit, the tefillin also comes out with it. Then the tefillin is there. Already came out with it. You don't want it to be there. So then you have to create a reason to move the tefillin. We'll get to that later on. But before that, let's first understand what is tefillin? What, what category will be under? 
really we find three approaches to tefillin. We find that some hold, like the Aruch HaShulchan, that tefillin is like a sefer. It's like the food. There was no gezerah on them. It's like Kitbe Kodesh. Just like books, there was no gezerah. So too, tefillin are considered like Kitbe Kodesh. There's no gezerah on them. You can move them for whatever purpose you want. That is the opinion that seems to be the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan. Others hold, no. Tefillin is considered Kli Shemelachto Leheter. Why is it Kli Shemelachto Leheter? Since, although we don't put on Tefillin on Shabbat, but if a person wants to wear Tefillin for protection, or if he wants to use Tefillin to show people the shape of the box, to learn from it, look at the shin, how you write it, one side is three, and one side is four, and look how square it has to be, and how black it has to be, and the stripes, and the black on black, whatever it may be. Since I have a reason for it. That's the opinion of others. Aruch HaShohan also brings them. However, most Ahronim, including many of the main Sfaradi Ahronim, rule, like the Magin Abraham and Nataz, that Tefillin is considered Keli Shemlachto Le'isur. It's a Keli that's made for Isur. What does that mean? There are two reasons why we don't put on tefillin on Shabbat. Most people bring, most Ahronim brought one reason, and that is, you can't put on tefillin on Shabbat because Baal Tosif. Or the second reason that's brought down is because what the Zohar says, you're interfering with the oath of Shabbat. What is going on? Let me explain to you. There are three things that we find in the Torah that are referred to as oath, as a sign. One is Shabbat. Second is Mila, right? It's considered an Oti. Hashem tells Abraham Abinu that it's a sign between me and your children. And the third thing is Tefillin. Tefillin is also considered an Ot. So now, as it says in Pasuk. So now, the Zohar says Shabbat is an Ot. Shabbat is an ot. Tefillin is an ot. But they go against each other. If you put on tefillin on Shabbat, you're mezalzel. You disrespect the ot of Shabbat. The te- ot of tefillin is disrespectful. You don't need it. It's unnecessary. And not only it's unnecessary, it's asur, according to the Zohar, to put on tefillin on Shabbat. That is the Zohar that's brought down the Beit Yosef and Siman Lamed Aleph and Orahayim. Based on this, so it comes out that tefillin, which is primarily made to wear for the sake of mitzvah, is what? It's Besides that, since Shabbat is not the day that he's supposed to put on tefillin, one who does put on tefillin for the sake of mitzvah, like the Rashba points out, it becomes an isur of baltosif. You're not allowed to add on to the mitzvot or the times where the mitzvah is supposed to be performed. Meaning, if Sukkot is supposed to be seven days, you can make it eight or nine days. If Pesach is supposed to be seven days, you can extend it either for the sake of a mitzvah. Same thing, if you want to put on Tefillin on Shabbat, it's an Isur Bal Tosif. So because of that, the Ahronim hold that it's an Isur to put on Tefillin on Shabbat, and therefore it has a deen of Klish Mnachtol Isur. Like we said, the rules by Klish Mnachtol Isur, you can only move them, the Tzorach Mekumol, the Tzorach Gufo. That is the opinion of Mosad Ahronim, Benishai, Hakam Abadiyah, Menuhat Ahaba. And these are the three big Sfaradi scheme. 
And that is really what we hold about tefillin. Like the Benishai says over here, you cannot move tefillin unless the Sorek Mekomov will go for, as Benishai says over here. If your tefillin somehow comes out of your talus bag, it comes out of your koraja, then you have to figure out a reason to move the tefillin. Someone, some Aharinim ask, you know, in our days, we buy very, some people buy very expensive tefillin. Now we're talking about 1,000, 1,200 and up. Some people are so makpeed, they're so careful, they they won't lend it to anybody else. They're scared how they wrap it, how they put it on, their hair may be wet, and they might ruin the tefillin. And if they ruin it, that's a lot, a lot of money down the drain. So why do we not consider tefillin muqseh mahmat haslon kis? That you shouldn't be able to move it at all. And the answer is, Zaruk Shohan brings it, and a lot of Ahronim also use it. Since I can use, also, I do also use the tefillin to show people Look at the box. Look how it looks. Look at since it's shown. Also, I can learn from it. So therefore, that already doesn't make it mukse mahmat hasonkis with the combination. That's also a little bit of kidbeya kodesh. So therefore, it becomes not mukse mahmat hasonkis. Rather, the tefillin is at most klish melachto leisur. Another question is when I do have my talit bag with the tefillin inside. What could I do? Let's say the tefillin is blocking my talit. In that case, since I need to get the talit out of the bag, and the only way is I, by moving the tefillin, I'm allowed to move it. Same thing, if I want to pull out my tefillin bag from where it is, in order to get my talit, that's called letzorech gufo, I need the talit bag. Or letzorech mekomo, I need the place, let's say I need to... Move it because I need to sit down in the shul. Let's say somebody forgot his talis bag from the weekday. They didn't put it back. They didn't put it back in the cubbies on the shelves. I need to sit in that seat. I can move it. Also, like we said beforehand, because tefillin is also like Kedbeya Kodesh, although a little bit more stringent, if there's any reason that we suspect, we should suspect that something's going to happen to tefillin. Something, somebody might come and mishandle them. You know, sometimes they have these non-Jews cleaning the shuls. And they'll just take things and throw them around. And sometimes they'll throw you tefillin even on the floor. And Hasbashon could be a bizayon. Something disrespectful is going to happen to your tefillin. Therefore, also, you're allowed to move them. That you shouldn't have any goyim temper them. Not even goyim. Sometimes the little kids, they like to play. They want to play Abba. And they're taking tefillin and throwing it around. And that could really be disrespectful for the tefillin. Also, you're allowed to move them for that reason. Now. In a case where you can't figure out a reason to move the tefillin, but you want to move because you, want, you don't want anything to happen to it, and you want to cover all opinions, like the Ahronim who say that tefillin is klish makhtole isur, you could create a purpose for moving them. A lot of people are bothered with this. Harama, this is a harama. Like, it's just a tricky way. Somebody called up and they said, you know, I feel like I'm tricking the system. So let me tell you the source of this deen. Naruch HaShulhan quotes the Yushalmi. I don't know Yushalmi, so I saw the Naruch HaShulhan. The Yushalmi in Perek, Zushami says a story over there. One time there were traps. A mitzuda, a trap is a kli What's a trap made for? It's made to catch animals. Could you hunt animals on Shabbat? No, it's a sumidoraita. So the kli that's made to hunt animals, it's a kli isur. So let's say you have a trap on Shabbat. Could you move it? No, only it's gufo. So they came and they asked Rav. They told him, listen, what could we do? We're scared that it's so sunny outside, it's gonna ruin it. To move a Khalis Bakhtol Isur for the sake of the item, 
to protect the item or that we should uh, move from Hamal, let's say, as the Gemara says, is Asur. What could we do? So, what does Rav tell them? Figure out a reason that you want, tell, you know, make it up in your mind that you want to put them under your head. You want to use these traps. Maybe it was a net, I don't know, whatever it was. You want to use it as a pillow. Once you made up in your mind that you want to use it as a pillow, you could take it and place it under your head. And once you do that for a moment, you already got it into the house, you protected it, and it's fine. From I'm going to read you the words of Aruch HaShohan. We learn from here, anytime you have a Klis Melechto Isur and you want to move it because you don't want it to get stolen, or you want you don't want anything to happen to it, to ruin it, if you want to move them, create a reason that you should move them and move them for that purpose. Even though you tell me this is harama, this is a trick, says the for the sake of hefseid, it's mutar. So, I'll repeat to you a case that we got over here in the studio. Somebody called up and they said, listen, sometimes I forget I'm cleaning the house. I'm running to do a million things. You know how it is. Ladies know how it is in the house. I forget the vacuum in the middle of the house, in the middle of the living room. So assuming your vacuum is a regular vacuum that you just shove around, it's not one of those crazy vacuums that you're so careful with. So what is the definition of a vacuum? What category do we put the vacuum? The answer is, It's made to work with electricity to suck out which you cannot do on Shabbat. Now it's in the living room. I want to move it. That's not called Litzorach Mekomo, by the way. To make the room look clean and good is not called Litzorach Mekomo. Litzorach Mekomo means I need to use that space. If I need the space to look good, I need it out of that space. That's not called Litzorach Mekomo. I have to use that space. So what could I do then? I have the vacuum. What could I do? Could I move it? How could I move it? It's right stuck in the middle. It's not going to look good on Shabbos. People are coming in and it's going to look very bad. So the answer is create a reason that you need to use that spot of the vacuum. You're doing it for Kavot Shabbat. You're not doing it for You're not going to move everything in the house for that reason. You're doing it when you have a purpose. You need the house to look nice on Shabbat. So you know what you do? You take a chair, and you decide to sit in that spot. Once you need that spot, you can pick up the vacuum, and once it's in your hand, as we're going to see in Halakha Gimel, you can already move it to wherever you want to move it to. That's important to keep in mind. You have to have a good reason, and then you can create a reason to need that makom, the place of Klish Bakhtol Isur, and then you're allowed to move it if you need to. This happens also where people forget wires, plugs, you know, like the, the phone chargers and things, and they're all over the dining room, and it doesn't look good on Shabbos. So you try to kick it, of course, that's the best way, but sometimes you can, you just... So then you have to create that reason. You have to go, take a table, take a chair, something, to, and you, you have to place it in a way that you have to move the mukse. And once you need the location of the mukse, and the mukse has to be picked up, it's, once it's in your hand, you can move it to wherever you want to move it to. Question now, what if a mezuzah fell on Shabbat? You have a mezuzah, fell on Shabbat. Could you pick it up as a mezuzah, mukse or not? It's kitbe kodesh. At the same time, you designated a spot for you want it to be on the, on the door. Also, could you put it back? 
of course, in a way that we're not talking about you sticking it back on or you're nailing it back in. Let's say there's a hole in the wall where it goes right inside, you know, or let's say the case is still there, but somehow the mezuzah fell out. The halakha is that mezuzah is not Yes, you put it up there. That's because that's where it belongs. You're not going to sit there every day, take out the mezuzah, put back the mezuzah. Mezuzah belongs in that spot. But if you have a regular mezuzah, let's say you have extra mezuzah, you bought 20 mezuzot, all you need is 14. So you have six mezuzot. What are you going to do with them? You're going to show them to people. You're going to hold on to them. Maybe you'll learn from them. Even the expensive ones, maybe you'll be careful that people shouldn't smudge them with their fingers. But you'll use it for other purposes besides putting it on the wall. It's true, you're not going to use it for a paper airplane, because it's Kitbe Kodesh. But still, it's like Kitbe Kodesh. You can learn from it, for sure. It's not Mukse, it's not Khalis it's for sure not Mukse Mahmat Keys. You can move them. Hakam Badia says you can even put them back in the hole. Not this doesn't mean again, don't think that means you're gonna be koveya with a nail and, and tape and put it back on on Shabbat like that. No. The hole is in the wall already. There's a space for it. Or the case is still there, you want to put it back, it's fine. In Amitake in the room, if the mezuzah falls out on Shabbat and there's no way you could put it back, you could still use that room for for Shabbat, even though there's no mezuzah yet, of course, say Shabbat, you have to be kovei the mezuzah, you have to set the mezuzah right away, but it's still mutar. Okay, Adkan. Halakha gimul, we're going to say for next week, which is the rules of kli shemilachto le'isur. That's halakha gimul and dalit. That will be next week on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Meanwhile, we're going to sign off and we'll conclude with the numbers again to reach us here in the studio. Off the air, that will be off the air. Unless you want to call right now on the air, it's 718-683-5858. To text in your question, it's 347-927-8398. And this class will be aired on again tonight at 11 p.m. It's not live. It's just a recording. So when you hear me saying, you could call in, don't call in. I'm not here in the studio. I don't work that late. Jeru doesn't pay me enough than that late, you know? But in any case... Everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you, Iran and Nisim, for this opportunity to be able to broadcast Torah, especially today, Rosh Hodesh, Tammuz. Everybody should have a wonderful Rosh Hodesh and a wonderful month. It's to be a month of Shemira. We got to be careful. And what we do, kids go to camp. Hashem should protect every single Jewish person, and especially children. And we should see We'll see you next week. Until then, have a wonderful week and a Shabbat Shalom. Hodesh Tov.